Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast, Andre Gallagher. All-Star break coming to an end. We had this terrible All-Star game just a day or so ago. It was bad. I'm not one that gets all dramatic about these things. I will always enjoy the spectacle of the All-Star game. I don't get into all of the pregame stuff and performances and all that nonsense, but I do enjoy the actual game and seeing the players, uh, you know, uh, interact and, you know, hoping for the occasional memorable moment. So I do get into the spectacle of it all. I will always probably enjoy the All-Star game, but it is very clearly levels to the enjoyment. There are levels to it. Without question. And this was pretty much the bottom rung of enjoyment for an All-Star game. It it really was a terrible watch. And it was terrible not just because of the gameplay, but the message that was being sent. By the players was we don't give a you know what whether you like this or not we hear the criticism we know that you want us to play harder and this and this needs to we want you you want this to be competitive we know that we don't care that's to me, what the message was in this game. Because all anyone asked of these players was for the game to be competitive. That's That was all the noise about the game was asking for it to be competitive. And they came out of it and went the complete opposite direction. And I don't, I, I it, it really troubles, it troubles me that the players would actually do that in math. Now, now, do I think they got together and had a conversation and said no? I, I No, I think they were just kind of taking cues from each other. But nobody, nobody said, come on, guys. Nobody? Can we just, let's just get back on defense. Can we get back on defense? Can we make them score in the half court at least? Nobody? It doesn't bother me that LeBron didn't play the second half. He earned not wanting to play the second half. He earned that. But you telling me if LeBron huddles up and says to the guys, hey, come on, man, this is kind of looking kind of stupid. Can we, if you don't want to play, let's just sit down and, and the guys who want to go out there and at least put on a good show, y'all go out there and do something. Make it make it look like you're trying, at least. He couldn't do that? Nobody could do that? So, like I said, it troubled me that they basically spat in the face of all of the, the OGs, uh, the commissioner, and anybody who said to them, can you please make the game a little bit competitive? You spat in the face of it. And on top of that, 
the message to me is that these guys are really afraid of being embarrassed. They're actually out there, in my mind, ducking smoke. They really are. Because they are afraid to go out there and try and be embarrassed by, by their peers. They're afraid of that. Otherwise, you would just do it. Like, nobody's telling you to go out there and die for loose balls. Nah, just, can you just make him make a move on you? <laughs> can you just, can you just slide his feet and make him make a move on you? And have to drive to the basket and a, a rotating defender comes over and he has to make a nice pass and, you know, somebody helped the helper a little bit, you know, just to make, make him do something creative. That's all they're asking you to do. Instead, you got a doofus like Carl Anthony Towns who's just running full court, sprinting full court on every inbounds, on every inbounds pass and just scoring dunks and layups at the rim, padding his all-star stats while no one plays any defense. Which tells you everything you need to know about Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns. It's not like he was shooting half-court shots like Dane, you know, and, and Halliburton. He's out there dunking the ball against no defense at all, padding his all-star game stats. When we talk about Carl Anthony Towns and his talent and his abilities and the possibility of him coming to the Knicks, we talked about this last summer. I told you there was something about him, the player, that, that tells me he's probably not the right fit here. And it's just little piece, little crumbs of information that are out there that that tell me that he's not built for this. I know he's from New Jersey. He's not built for this. There's no one in their right mind. No one in their right mind would come down every single possession, sprinting full court just to make a dunk or a layup. They weren't even all great dunks. He scored a bunch of basic dunks and then started trying to get cute towards the end. You're not even doing anything. Nobody who why do you think people want to see you just run down court full speed and dunk the ball? Basic dunks. Nobody cares. Why are you doing that? But this whole game is a farce. It's a farce. And don't tell me the guys are afraid of getting hurt. And I give credit to I give credit to, to someone else who said it. They they're the one who brought it up. During the summer when these guys are playing at the at, at uh the Rico Hines runs and the Pro Ams, they're playing a little bit harder than this. Not saying they're diving on loose balls, but they're playing a little bit harder than this. So if they can play for free over the summer, pickup games, and you know their pickup games are probably going a little bit harder, the ones you don't even see. If they can do that for pickup games, and, and this is All-Star Game wasn't invented five, invented five years ago. Guys were playing hard in All-Star Games going back 40, 50 years. Where if they got hurt, the stakes were really higher. They were really higher. Back then, these guys got guaranteed contracts getting paid. Most of these guys are making $30 million plus a year. Guaranteed. Some twice that. Don't tell me you're afraid of getting hurt when you're playing in the summer 
you playing in the summer, you playing at least 50% harder for nothing. So you're not afraid of getting hurt. So what are you afraid of? You're afraid of getting embarrassed. Afraid of getting crossed up, nutmeg, dunked on. Things that players in yesteryear were not afraid of. These guys are really afraid of public scrutiny. They're afraid of being clowned and joked on. They're worried about the wrong things. Just play, man. No, again, it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a playoff like intensity. Just play a little bit, the same speed and energy you play in a pickup game. That's it. That's it. If you can play a pickup game in the offseason, you can play a pickup game in the All-Star game. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Let's, let's speak about this in practical terms. In practical terms, they're afraid of getting embarrassed. It's not worth it. What's the benefit to us in, in risking embarrassment and public scrutiny to, to, for no gain at all? For no gain at all. That's what it's about. Like, to me, the only thing to do, they used to do the charity thing, like, every quarter. And I thought that wasn't a bad idea, but they still they still didn't play super hard, but they gave it a little bit more towards the end of the quarters, right? But I still I still don't think they were pressed about it, to be honest with you. I don't think they were pressed. You know, somebody's going to get some money good. It was kind of the attitude. I think they need to play for their own their own charities. Pretty much all of these players have their own charities, right? Now you have your own charities. You play, you win. Your charity gets X amount of dollars. That way, if you don't play hard, you got to go back and look your people in the face. A lot of these charities are used i'm not saying they don't do good a lot of them do do good but a lot of them are at the very least are used to to give their friends and family jobs as well right it doesn't mean it's illegitimate it just means it's true so they run these charities they have their friends and families involved in these charities they get a chance to get a salary right so now if you earn a bonus and you're essentially earn a donation your friends, your family, they probably win too on top of the charity itself. Let's just be wink, wink, whatever it is. Everybody wins. If you don't play hard, you got to go home and you got to look at whoever's benefiting from the charity. You got to look them in the face and say, ah, ah, I didn't feel like it. To me, that's the way you do it. And I'm not saying none of these charities are legitimate. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can have a legitimate charity and also have your sister running it, okay? <laughs> That's, and if your sister is passionate about that charity, you making 500 grand for the charity or whatever it is is going to benefit your sister and charity. So it, it can change. It can change somebody's life if you're really if you're really uh, devoted to whatever your charity is about. So now, now if you don't play at least a little bit hard, you gotta look these folks in the face and say, "Nah, you ain't want to play for it. You ain't want to play, so my life can be better." It's one thing when it's a nameless, faceless charity like they had a few years ago. That's one thing. It's a whole different thing when it's your own people, where each player is playing for their own charity. 
their benefit is benefiting them. And then, of course, you know, the league can have charities, too, that also get, you know, who also win. They can kind of, they can have the kids in the audience like they had a few years ago, and they're cheering and getting involved. You can have that, too. That, other than that, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. Now, people thought the players weren't going to play hard for the in-season tournament, and that wasn't the case. They definitely did. And if you listen to the players, a lot of them were playing for the 12th man on the bench. They were playing for their assistant coaches who don't make a ton of money. You know, the players aren't fully selfish. Well, some guys are, but hey, I want I want to make sure the assistant coach gets his little bonus or whatever. They played hard. But so you have to incentivize them in a similar way. You know, they want to look out for their people. You know, they, they have to have some benefit to them to go out there. Do it. That's the way. Because they don't have enough pride to just go out there and do it. They don't associate it with pride, put it that way. You know, they can hide behind the group. If the whole group is ducking smoke, then they can duck smoke too inside the group. If you're the only one, you stand out. When everyone's doing it, it's fine. You know, it's cover for you. So, to me, that's the way it has to go. I don't know if anyone's listening to me, if anyone cares. If you want to save the game, that's what you have to do. These guys are built different. They're built different. Don't get rid of the all-star game. That's just silliness. There there are plenty of things you can do to make it better before you get rid of it. Don't get rid of it. You know, whatever you do, they're not going to take it serious. You see it with the skills challenge. These guys can go 100% faster than they're doing most of the time. They're going half speed because they don't want to look like they're going full speed and then lose. That's why. Right? It's not enough in it for them. The three-point shooting contest is different. The guys, the reason why the dunk contest is down to G League players is because these guys, first of all, the dunk contest, the bar has been raised in terms of what kind of dunks actually uh, move the crowd. So it's, they, they see it as being a little bit trickier. And it's a risk-reward thing. Go out there and embarrass yourself like Jalen Brown and and you don't win, then what's the point? What'd you get out of it? It hurts your reputation. And that's what they're most worried about. So as much as people are criticizing Jalen Brown, I have a little less criticism for it. I have a little less criticism for him because he went out there and did it. And not many all-stars do it. So it's not like he took somebody's spot. Nah, he didn't really take anybody's spot. He was an all-star and he went out there and did it. And most all-stars won't do it. So you can clown him all you want. That's kind of the point. That's kind of the reason why the other ones won't do it. It's because it's so easy to get clowned if you embarrass yourself. But Jalen Brown, he went out there and he was willing to take the smoke. So at least give him credit for that. But these rest of these guys are afraid of the smoke. They are, they're literally frightened of the smoke. They don't want the criticism. And that's why guys like that, to, to transition this back to New York, those guys are not built for New York City. To play for the Knicks. And for those of you who think that's just a New Yorker talking, Carmelo Anthony told you the same thing. A lot of these debates are settled by players most of the time. Not to say the players are always right. I want to stand on that because a lot of ex-players say some silly things. Even smart ones. J.J. Reddick said something really stupid about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Said he just dunked in hook shots. Which tells you he didn't watch Kareem in the 70s. <laughs> That's what it tells you. He didn't watch Kareem in the 70s. 
He literally did not. Right? So Gilbert Arena says stupid things all the time. Kenny Smith for and Kenny Smith is a good basketball guy, but he doesn't watch all the games. And that's what it comes down to is that you could be a good basketball person and not watch the game. So because you don't watch the games, you're you stumble upon saying something that doesn't make any sense. And you saw Kenny Smith say that about Tyrese Halliburton during a three-point shooting contest, how he really didn't know that Tyrese Halliburton was shooting the ball like that. Tyrese Halliburton, that's the one thing that he's doing that's really a, a problem. I mean, his passing is ridiculous as well. But that shooting is what makes him a, a huge problem because he can shoot it any which way he wants. He didn't have to have that much room. Was 10 to 13 in the All-Star game. It was one of the best things about the All-Star game was the way Halliburton was shooting the ball. Even in Dame too, but even though Dame shouldn't have won the MVP, he should have gone to Halliburton because he's in Indiana. And you know I'm not a big fan of Halliburton outside of acknowledging how great of a player he is. He should have won that MVP. But the way he shoots the ball is really what makes makes him a huge problem. Because you can't you have to chase him around the screens. You can't go underneath. You got to play him tight, which makes it easy for him to get by you and get into the open paint because they surround the court with shooters. He's shooting the ball incredibly. And you don't know that because you're not watching the game, Kenny Smith. You got to do better. Now, I think when Kenny gets a chance to actually sit down and watch games and watch film, I think he, he's not bad at it. And I'm sure that's true for Candace Parker. And I'm sure that might be true to... To uh, as far as Gilbert Arenas, who says a lot of stupid things, but most of these guys they just don't watch the game. So I'm not saying that everything a player says is is on point, but every now and then you'll you'll receive some insights that's less about opinion and more about what people have said. And Carlo Man- Carmelo Anthony has said this plenty of times. He's, players duck smoke. That's why a lot of players don't want to come to New York. It, a lot of Dick fans and, and Nick critics, oh, nobody wants to play for Dolan. Nobody cares about James Dolan. And players have never said a bad word about Dolan. In all of these podcasts, all of these ex-players talking and running their mouths, there's not a single one that I can think of that has said a bad thing about James Dolan. Even Jeff Van Gundy, who had issues with Dolan, and that was when Dolan was really a pain in the butt, was back then. Now he's chilling as far as a Nick owner. He's not chilling as far as pissing other people off. But as far as being a Nick owner, he has been chilling for like a decade. But back when Jeff Van Gundy was a coach, he was a pain in the butt. He was really terrible. And even Jeff Van Gundy was like, he wasn't that bad. He was actually pretty good in terms of giving you resources and, and being, you know, being supportive financially. So stop blaming Dolan. These players aren't taking some principled stance <laughs> and not coming to New York. How many times have you heard LeBron James say that he was considering coming to New York? You have two groups of people. You have people who dismiss everything he's saying as being a lie. And he does lie a lot, to be fair. And you have people who just flat out ignore that he says things. They just ignore it. How many times does he have to say it that he is considered coming to the Knicks? I thought it, nobody wanted to come here because of James Dolan. So what are you talking about? Which one, which one is it? Carmelo Anthony told you, and then I, I said it, 
I said it a million times. It happened before I had this show, but I brought it up at one point. I think when everything fell apart for the for the Nets, KD and Kyrie Irving have given, well, especially KD, gave every excuse in the book for why they did not come to New York to the Knicks. Every they they gave seven, eight different reasons, depending on the interview, depending on the tweet. KD said something else as to why he didn't come to New York. The truth finally came out when you start looking at the common threads between the lies, between the answers, I should say. No, he said, and this is damn near quote, he said, and this was recent, he said, the Knicks are better when they're the underdogs. Not when they have expectations. He comes in and he's, his answer told you. Coming to the Knicks with expectations was a bad look for a place. It's a bad look. And he's right. That's ducking smoke though, but he is right. And that's across all sports. Hockey, football, baseball. New York Yankee fans know. They know. Players come to New York with expectations. Many of these dudes drop the ball when they get here. Yankee fans know this. They have seen pitcher after pitcher be amazing other places. Come to the Yankees and be ordinary. Even some big hitters. That's why you know the guys who came here and performed, guys like Darryl Strawberry, guys like Sheffield, guys who came here and performed, you know what they're built like. You know what their makeup is. That's why they're loved here. There have been a few others. But there are a bunch of other guys, and I'm not going to name them all. There's a bunch of other guys who came here and it was like, you were tremendous other places, and then you came here, all of a sudden, you're not so good. Now, the Knicks have not had the luxury of bringing in a bunch of players and having them disappoint. They've not had the luxury. But Kevin Durant, he told you what it was. Told you. Coming here with expectations is a hard road. Hard road. He was ducking smoke. And Carmelo told you why guys hesitate to come here. That's why you need to be choosy about the guys that come here. That's why you have to be appreciative of the guys who come here and play well. Because you know what their makeup is. You know when it comes down to it, they're going to perform. They're not afraid of the smoke. That's why Jalen Brunson is such a hero here. That's why my prediction, and I'm predicting this. We're not there yet. I'm predicting this. I'm predicting that Julius Randle signs his next contract here. And who knows if that's going to happen because of this playoff. This playoff is going to tell the tale that he will end up being one of the most beloved Knicks of all time. Not the most, obviously, but one of. He will be on the list because you would have developed a guy who understood what it's like to come to New York and perform. He came, had no expectations, built expectations, then disappointed then fell apart, fell in his face, threw up all over himself, and had to build and would have had to build himself back up. 
which he's in the process of doing right now. And it cannot be culminated until he performs in the playoffs. And if he does, that's it. You can't touch him after that. He's been through too much. New York would have made him. New York would have built him, molded him. That's why Jalen Brunson's a hero now. He's been unshakable so far. He came with with a lot of pressure. I wouldn't say expectations because there were so many people who hated on him, but a lot of pressure. And all he did was outperform it. That's like that's a guy this city will never forget if he continues. They'll never forget it. Because you can see that. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has those guts. That's why the teams in the 90s are so beloved. Because Nick fans saw these guys play with their their heart and soul. And they weren't rewarded, which always breaks all Nick fans' hearts. But they played with their heart and soul. Now, the pressure did eat some of these guys up now. Uh, <laughs> it ate some of these guys up. But that was when that's when that pressure was building, though. The pressure that you have now is it came from back then, because the '80s Knicks didn't have no real, they didn't have no real pressure. It was New York pressure, but it wasn't the '90s. That's when the pressure hit. Pat Riley here. That's when the pressure came about, and those guys had to play under immense pressure. And sometimes they came through, and sometimes they didn't. We're not gonna go through the history of of the game. The Yankees, same thing. The Yankees started winning. World Series, they didn't have, the, the pressure wasn't there yet. Once they started winning it, that was it. Now the pressure was there. Now the pressure was there. Then you had a new coach running a bunch of free agents, guys trying to ride the ride the, the gravy train, and now you have the pressure of trying to perform like the guys who came before you. It didn't work out. Well, they got a chip out of it, but too many, too many years where, where guys went to bed. Too many years. It's hard to play here. And that's why I told you before when Hartenstein went down, and I wish there was a lost episode in there where I talked about this at length. Couldn't get it out. When they lost Hartenstein, and I mentioned at least this part, I had conversations with a friend of mine Hey, just get to the playoffs. It's all right. As long as they get to the playoffs, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. And I said, no. There's some debate there, but I said no. Because the pressure that will build for this team if they struggle all the way until the playoffs and have to put it together with a low seed, playing tough teams in the first round, that pressure in New York will be palpable. You saw the criticism that they got losing these games before the All-Star break when they had skeleton, a skeleton crew. You even see, you would think, okay, it's just the fans look up a clout. Or it's just the casual fans. It's just the stupid fans. No, you had a guy, you had you had Mark Berman out there tweeting out the Knicks have lost three out of four since making this trade. Like, what are you talking about? Why are you, what is this dog whistle nonsense? They cannot, they're not, they could have won that Orlando game. Don't get me wrong. 
It could have, even though, even though, uh, you know, Dante didn't play. Dante kind of ruined that. I really thought they could pull that Orlando game out and then Dante couldn't play. I thought there was a chance Hartenstein would play, even though it was stupid to play him. I think he probably could have played because he was, he, I think he was questionable and he worked out before the game uh, in Houston. So I thought there was a chance they could win the Orlando game, but with no Dante, it, there was a chance, but it was a, a slight one. You needed Alec Burks to step up and Alec Burks had not, did not play well. And, and, oh, obviously no Bogdanovich that game, which really ruined the chances. Ruin the chances. So how do you look at that stretch run before the All-Star break where they were completely unhealthy and judged the team? Well, it still happened. It still happened. So imagine playing another month with that kind of scrutiny and then having to put it all together with a wonky rotation where you don't know how you're going to play Pressure Zuchua and you don't know how you're going to play Bogdanovich and you don't know what kind of Alec Burks you're going to get because Alec Burks has been out here bugging. No, this team needs to get healthy and need to play games and they need to get hot again because the pressure will build and it's going to eat some of these guys up who have not, they have not played together. And now you got Randall's coming off an injury and his history in the playoffs and now he has, he's going to have a situation on the floor where there's no uh, rhythm and there's no cohesiveness because he hasn't been playing and they have new players. You don't need that. You don't need that added pressure. And I know some people are listening to me right now and they're like, listen, pressure is pressure. You know, you got to, you know, you got to perform. It doesn't matter. I, I hear you. But it's much easier to play this game when you are comfortable with the guys around you. You have faith in the guys around you. You know they're going to do the right thing. You know how they're going to play. You know what to expect. All of these things. It's much easier to play in this town where there's good vibes, like the good vibes they had right before the injuries, where everybody's in full support and you're not having Tibbs trending every day to fire him. Because that stuff becomes palpable. It really does. These guys are on social media. They're, they're reading this stuff. They're, I don't like it. You got Josh Hart and Brinson got a podcast, which I don't like. I'm not saying I don't like the actual podcast entertaining. I don't, I think these guys are bugging. Don't do a podcast during the season. Don't do this. It's no good. You, it's too much scrutiny here, scrutiny here in New York. Don't do it, man. You say the wrong thing. You say, just stop. Stop. I know you guys are having fun or whatever. Just save it for the offseason, man. Just save it for the offseason. But they're not going to listen. They're going to do it. You're going to say something wrong. Josh is going to say something wrong about the wrong person on the team. Or, and you're going to be losing. And you're going to talk about the loser streak. And it's going to, like, yeah, everything you say is going to be going to be scrutinized. Like, uh just, just go out there and play, man. But whatever. That's just me being an old man. But I, I'm, ner I'm nervous as long as this team is not healthy. Hardenstein comes back, I'm going to feel better. But the schedule is not the schedule is not light out here. They gotta play the Sixers right off the break. You gotta play Boston a couple times. You know, the schedule is not it's not light. Gotta play the Cavs in this little run here. You can't keep going without you can't keep going without Randall and OG. Hartenstein is a big, big help. 
I can't stress it enough. It's a, it is the most important injury return that they can have. And what I mean by that is, and I said this before, OG takes the good team and it makes them a great team. It takes a playoff team and makes them a contender. That's what he does. What Randall does, obviously, with no Randall, you're struggling to find offense. But you be, you're a better defensive team because of Precious Achua and give him credit. So if you have Precious Achua and OG and, the, and everyone else, Bogdanovich, Hartenstein, blah, 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 you can beat some, play, you can beat some teams. Because defensively, you can give a lot of guys, teams a hard time. With pressures that you have power forward. You can give a lot of teams a hard time. And hopefully you, you got uh, Alec Burks is not playing with his head up his butt. And you got some Bogdanovich out there. Because of those trades, I'm not saying it replaces Randall, but it allows you to be competitive when OG's on the floor and Hardenstein's on the floor and everybody else is healthy. You can be competitive with anyone else. It's a fight, it's a scrap, but you're competitive without Randall. You are not competitive without Hardenstein. You're not. And I'm going to, in lowercase, say and or Mitchell Robinson. You're not competitive because your entire defense is based on having someone at the front of the rim that can provide some defense, some can slow people down at the front of the rim and get that rebound. They can do both. Precious Achua already told you that he's not a center. He just said it last week. They are not really a center. More of a power forward. And you can tell. Give him credit at the end of that Houston game where he started bossing out. Hartenstein, he can play the high screen and roll. He can play that perfectly. He can play drop coverage perfectly. He can be a deterrent at the front of the rim. And then he can turn around and get that same rebound. And then on offense, you can use him as a hub offensively. He's going to get you offensive boards. He's going to finish at the front of the rim. You know, he's really a stabilizing force on both ends of the floor. If you don't have him, you got to deal with the ups and downs of Jericho Sims, and you got to deal with Precious Achua, who's already telling you he's not a natural center. So you can have everybody back, and it becomes a situation where you're trying to outscore the other team. Because defensively, your backstops are a little bit shaky. That's why Hardenstein is more so the key to being competitive going into the playoffs. That's not going to be enough to advance in the playoffs. That's why you need OG. And it's not going to be enough to win a championship. That's why you need Julius. Julius gives you toughness at the front of the rim. He gives you offense, an offensive hub who can burn you if you don't double team, can burn you if you do double team. And if he has one of those things, those situations where he's wet in the bed, you have other places to go. And now he's even more of a weapon because he's he's not the focal point, which means he can burn you if you're not careful. But you can have all of that and no Hartenstein and have to be, have Sims and Precious Shua be your centers and you in trouble. So he's got to come back for them to have a chance. And with the Burks and Bogdanovich deal, 
uh, uh, hopefully Alec plays better, Bogdanovich is healthy, now they can at least be competitive because Precious playing power forward really gives guys a hard time defensively, man. He is so good at power forward defensively right now. So good. So now with with uh, a, a better Burks and Bogdanovich, you can score points. So you can be competitive in this run. You can be competitive. You might not beat Boston. You might not beat the Cavs. But you should be able to beat the rest of these teams. You should be able to get yourself on a nice little streak there. You should be. And you should at least get OG back. That elbow injury is tricky. You can come back and be perfectly fine or it can be a real pain in the butt. It can be a real pain in the butt. It should be. He should be okay after this week. He should be on the way back. Now, it's it's his right it's his shooting elbow. So his shot's not going to be there. So it's going to be shaking when he gets back. That's why everybody got to get back on this floor. And Randall should be right behind him. So you need to be hoping for a speedy recovery. Stop this whole nonsense about just play, just get healthy for the playoffs. And they, they ain't played in two months. And you think everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. Cut that nonsense out. At Sports Ethos on Twitter. At Ethos Knicks. Until next time. <laughs>